the only thing you can't do in this day and age is do nothing at all, right? That's the most dangerous thing you can do is to bank on the fact that things will not change. Hello and welcome to The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at, you've guessed it, the future of work. It's brought to you by Wonder for their blog, Chaos and Rocket Fuel. Wonder are productivity and human behavior specialists who use technology to help us humans on our digital journey from disruption to transformation. For more information, you can check out their website. That's wndyr.com. I'm Doug Folks, and along with Wonder CEO Claire Haydar, we regularly meet up with industry experts and mavericks to get their take on work in the future. This week, we spend time with co-founder and chief executive officer of Dialexa, Scott Harper. Dialexa is an award-winning technology consulting firm who work with their clients to design and build new digital products and propriety technology that delivers a sector-winning competitive advantage. Scott has been awarded, amongst others, with the Ernst & Young EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award. He's a family man, living in Dallas with his wife, Lindsay, and their three children, Scarlett, Camille, and Clifton. Claire, over to you. You're in a room full of people. What is your wow factor? Well, besides my looks, you know, um, I'm going to have to say... Um, I, I think one of the things that has worked really well for me, you know, professionally is um, working on being a great conversationalist and um, which is something that, you know, I think people like Zig Ziglar and uh, Dale Carnegie talked about, you know, a long time ago, even right um, with great books like How to Win Friends and Influence People and you know, lots of things that, you know, have just very common sense approach to, you know, how you engage with people. And so if you're trying to work a room or get to know people, um, you know, I think those types of skills are, are really valuable. And that's something that I think I have a natural gift for and have also worked on. So I think, um, you know, I'm able to make friends with people and develop, you know, fairly deep relationships at a, at a quick pace. Got uh Hello from, from my side. Nice to, to chat to you today. Nice to chat with you again as well. My first question to you is really just a little bit of background. Dialexa, it's not your first, your first gig. Could you share with us briefly a, a synopsis of what your life has been about work-wise? Yeah, so um, studied mechanical engineering with a biomedical specialization in college and really had no idea what I wanted to do uh, leaving that because, you know, I think for the vast majority of my life, when I actually thought about a career, I thought I wanted to go into medicine, uh, lots of physicians in my family, and I actually ended up marrying one, um, but decided I didn't want to do that and didn't want to do the standard engineering route that my degree provided, at least the things I was aware of at the time. And so, yeah, my, my professional career is a bit of a, a random walkabout, um, you know, have done things in... Uh, retail banking, start, did a banking startup where we were doing insurance and uh, wealth management, retail banking, focused on doctors and dentists, healthcare professionals, um, you know, participated in that for a while, did a few consumer uh, tech startups. And that's really where I started getting the bug and saying, okay, I think I want to do, I think I want to do technology. And I'd done some real estate things as well. So really, like I said, a truly random walk of, you know, several things I really had no no clue about entering into the space. 
Um, but I think it was those, you know, interesting projects, cool ideas, you know, one in particular that my one of my college best friends and I had, which was how to leverage affiliate marketing programs to um, generate money for nonprofit organizations through e-commerce. You know, I got really intrigued by, you know, by that space and the power of technology, um, you know, and ultimately landed in a role leading operations for a an enterprise um, platform as a service and software as a service company where, you know, I met my uh, now business partner, Mark Hadar. Um, he was the CTO. I was leading operations, all sales, marketing, implementations, that kind of thing. Like I said, really a random walk about of things that, you know, it was just a little, um, I guess, soul searching I needed to do as a 20 something with, you know, who wasn't one of the fortunate ones who knew starting at age five, what they wanted to do and never changed their mind. Very interesting. And is that sort of typical, do you think, of, of where, you're, where, you, you, where you were brought up? No, I think, um, I think it's probably um, uncommon, you know, as I think back. I think most of the people I grew up with knew what they wanted to do. There were some, some exceptions to that, but, you know, where I'm from, I grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I think most people there tend to, um, you know, tend to go to school. They, you know, are aiming for some kind of professional trade generally or going into a family business. I needed to kind of roam around and wander because what I initially thought I wanted to do turned out not to be the case, but I had no idea what I wanted to do in place of that. Scott, take us, take us back into your childhood. Um, you're somebody that really appreciates and values details. You more so than most people I know, you really go into the but why, but how, but where type of questions. What were the things that like really fascinated you and held your attention for very long times when you were a kid? Besides girls and sports, which, you know, were two <laughs> two things that, that occupied much mental bandwidth for, for many years. Um, you know, I think I was really fascinated with nature, with medicine, the heart. I actually had a, an aunt who uh, passed away from heart complications. And that really is one of the things that drove me towards my interest in medicine at the time uh, and also in biomedical engineering because, you know, of her condition that, you know, ultimately she didn't didn't survive, unfortunately. Um so the heart, the role that plays in the body, the importance of it, which, you know, is, is fairly uh, straightforward, but um, there's a lot of nuances to, you know, the conditions and things where the heart is a very fragile organ. Uh, but I also really was interested in animals, specifically reptiles. I'm not sure why I had the fascination with that. I think most people were scared of things like snakes and you know, that kind of thing, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, things people are, are frightened of, like, tend to draw me in, right? That's hard. That's a challenge. That's scary. Like, I think I just have a natural curiosity towards things like that. And so, um, yeah, as a younger kid, yeah, I used to go out and catch snakes and could tell you really an odd level of detail about that kind of thing. It in no way surprises me then that you've ended up at Dialexa building what you have there because 
you guys at Dialex live on the edge of enterprise innovation. And those are some of the toughest challenges that we're facing, you know, so I'm not talking about like the big, massive systemic issues that we're facing in society. But if you look at, at enterprise, like, I mean, you guys are really dealing with some of the toughest challenges right now that business are facing. So it, do you want to share with us, I know that you guys are working on some incredible projects at Dialexa. Do you mind sharing with us how some of your clients are really disrupting norms right now? Um, if you look at, at digital healthcare products, for example, like remote diagnostics type of um, applications or digital diagnostics, right? So uh, a really fascinating company we worked with can actually... Uh, monitor and identify and diagnose uh, macular degeneration, right, through through a mobile app. Um, you know, so that's something that, you know, you don't, you would have historically only been able to tell or even get an inkling of an idea by going physically in a doctor's office. Now, that's obviously not something you try to self-treat at, at home, but, you know, paired with your doctor and partnering with your doctor, even whether that's through telehealth or physical uh, presence, that's something that, you know, is, is really fascinating, you know, that, that people can do and it, it makes the world more efficient, smaller, and provides access to uh, people who may not have had that before, right? Much lower cost, uh, much greater accessibility, no transportation issues, things like that. Um, you know, so those are some of the things that stand out, you know, in the healthcare space, these digital front door initiatives, um, you know, the hospitals are having, whether it's, you know, onboarding, check-in, accessing your healthcare records, paying your bills, understanding your bills, tremendous amounts of cost in healthcare and frustration, by the way, uh, associated with those types of things that don't need to be complicated. They're, they're solvable problems. You know, I think of things like, you know, in the automotive sector about, you know, the way people are thinking about how people access transportation in the future, right? So people are thinking of, not just automakers, but they're thinking of themselves as, as mobility companies, right? Because they're just thinking of how do we help people get from point A to point B. Um, historically, that would have been a car. Um, now it could be micro mobility. Um, you know, and car historically was you'd buy a car or lease a car. Maybe you'd rent a car on, you know, vacation or something. But, you know, now we have helped people bring car subscriptions to market where you can actually subscribe to a car now. And it includes everything from your insurance, your maintenance, all of that, right, bundled in um, to a single cost, right? You could do all that through a mobile app or, you know, the web. And the most fun part about our job at Dialex is that we get to help our clients think through that. You know, I think everybody understands, all these clients, the smart people understand that, you know, the only thing you can't do in this day and age is do nothing at all, right? That's the most dangerous thing you can do is to bank on the fact that things will not change, right? The rate of change, change is not only happening, but the rate of change is increasing all the time. And so, you know, you really do have to be looking that forward through that forward looking lens, because, you know, I think technology is going to play a huge role in winning every industry out there, whether you're in automotive or commercial real estate or banking or healthcare, you know, the companies who leverage uh, technology the best, in addition to the fundamentals of their business, those paired together, that's who's going to win every industry. And I think that that is, you know, something we saw fairly early on and latched on to, you know, and how these companies can differentiate through uh, better customer experiences, new product offerings that were not 
didn't exist in the past, um, you know, in your space, right? Thinking about it differently, how you provide value to your customers, not just through the historical offerings you had, but through, um, you know, digital product innovation, um, just even giving them a better experience. Like I said, putting hands, uh, putting technology, proprietary technology in the hands of your workforce, maybe that gives them an edge over your competitors, right? It either lowers your cost, enables you to turn around something, you know, much quicker than your competition could, you know, all those types of things are, are the value that technology unlocks. And those are the types of things we're helping people think through every day. And it's really fascinating because you get a, a peek into the future of all these various industries. For me, a golden thread that runs through every single example you've shared is the creation of an experience. Um, and I think it reminds me of a piece of uh, research that Adobe released actually a few years ago, so even outside of the pandemic, where they basically said the ability for us to create those outstanding customer experiences is going to be what is competitive advantage in the future. Absolutely. If you can buy the same thing from two places and one is much easier and more delightful to, you know, to deal with of an experience, I mean, you're you're going to do that. You're going to pick that every time, right? It's just, it's the path of least resistance, whether you're talking about, um, you know, fluid mechanics or people. I mean, the path of least resistance is, is, is where people and uh, matter will, will follow. They'll follow that path. And, you know, so it's not really, it's not rocket science, right? You know, when you're thinking about that, you know, and that, and, and how insightful that is, but that's why you have to build really great products because consumers don't care about, you know, or other enterprise clients. They don't care about your legacy technology baggage or your budgeting shortfalls or whatever else. It's not a checkbox for them. Like, you know, when the mobile app wave came about, lots of businesses said, oh, we have a mobile app. Like it was a checkbox item. It's like, yeah, but is it any good? And you'd look at it and it's got a one star rating and you know, it's terrible, right? And it's just because they, they try to do it cheaply or it was a checkbox, like that's what their consumer wanted was just for them to have a mobile app, right? It's, you know, does it provide value? Is it enjoyable to use? Is it efficient, right? Again, you get back to that, hey, if I can buy something in two clicks, I don't want to go buy it from somebody who's going to make me come in in person or do it in 10, right? I'm actually going to move on to the future of work because it certainly is a hot topic at, at present and something that's been very real in your, your own world uh, because of the changes that Dialexis had to make this year. As a leader and executive, Scott, what, what change would you want to embed and, and are there any changes that you'd actually want to fully avoid? Yeah, I mean, I think the changes, you know, everybody is thinking about is, you know, I mean, one, like the, the physical presence aspect, right? You know, how that would change. You know, being in client services, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, clients would want you to be there in person. We'd want to be there in person. You know, these are things that, you know, the consulting world is, you know, thinking about doing all the time. Um, and I think that there's going to have to be a, a dramatic shift in flexibility around that, you know, in the future, especially during times of, uh, of COVID or pandemic, because, you know, just for health reasons, it's, you know, you can't be there. And so then that begs the question of, you know, what what does it look like when you can be there? There's no pandemic, but, you know, do you need to be there? And, and I think that there is a, you know, the, the trend I think that I'm that I'm seeing or predicting for us and for others is 
a greater amount of flexibility around that. I don't, I don't think that, you know, it's as easy to build deeply personal relationships remotely as in person. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't have more balance and flexibility around that. So that's what I think is, is really going to change and the tools, it's going to push the tools to get better. It's going to expose the, the weaknesses and the current tools like Zoom. Um, you know, they're going to learn a tremendous amount. They're going to win companies like Zoom are going to win big in this because they're getting, you know, an onslaught of, you know, businesses using this and they're going to be, it's going to be a treasure trove of, of information for them. You know, what I, I think what I hope and I don't want to do, or we hope to avoid is a knee jerk to things. And I think that's what people have a tendency to do is some, some kind of event driven uh, change arises, right? Hey, nobody, you didn't have a choice to go remote really with COVID like you had to, right? So it's event, that event happened, you were forced to do it. Um, I think some people I, I speak to are like, this changes everything forever completely. And they're going to go try to swing the pendulum way too far over in another direction without trying to say, what can we learn from this? What's good about this? What's not great about this? What was better about, you know, before and try to take some learnings and some wisdom forward to understand what works best for your business, for your clients, your customers. So that, that's what I'd say that we're trying to keep a very close eye on is that we don't over or underreact to, you know, the current environment. Is there a change that you wanted to bring about um, with regards to how your teams work, but the environment didn't allow it? And this forced change that we've been placed in because of COVID has actually created that opportunity? With being remote and clear, you know, this operating a remote company forces intentional communication. It also forces you to be more mindful about uh, interruptions of your coworkers. So I think that's been a really uh, positive trend. Um, I think for us operationally, you know, it, it has caused us to focus on buttoning up uh, certain things that, you know, just would have happened by brute force had we been all sitting next to one another. The number one question I think I get asked is around productivity. Well, how are, are your people as productive? And, you know, I think so measuring, monitoring productivity is great, but also the you know, if you're not sitting next to somebody all the time, like how in tune are you with their mental well-being? Okay, moving on to a completely different topic, but one that definitely does relate back to your childhood that you shared with us earlier in the conversation. You've recently been trekking in the wild of New Mexico. I know that this is your escape and very much, you know, something that you do to really switch off. What lessons have you learned in your time away that you'll be applying to business moving forward? Yeah, that was a, it was a great experience and I had absolutely no connectivity. Um, so my cell phone didn't work. I had no internet. It enabled me to get away from the distractions and a lot of the noise. There's just so much noise around us every day from external sources, whether that's you know at work or, or news or social media. Um, there are lots of things vying for your attention and competing for your attention and bandwidth. And that was really great to essentially be forced into, you know, shutting off and, you know, taking that time to think enables you to think clearly and taking a break from things enables you to think clearly about things that maybe you've gotten stuck on, right? You can revisit with a clear mind. And so I think that, 
you know, that was really greatly beneficial to me and I think to our company and, you know, for me and my role uh, to be able to disconnect and um, really focus on some, you know, challenges that needed that, uh, you know, full focus and attention. Uh, the other thing is the resting aspect of yourself, right? Revisiting things when you, you've broken away, come back, take a fresh look. It's amazing how clear things can seem, you know, and the, and the other lesson I think is you can push yourself much harder than your mind tells you you can. You know, this was a fairly uh, strenuous endeavor, you know, out in, in the, the mountains and desert New Mexico. And, you know, there are many times where your body or your mind starts telling you, oh, man, you can't go any farther. You need to stop. And, you know, if you can you persevere through that, you can do things that, you know, you, you just didn't think you could do. Understanding that you can you can push yourself that hard is is really valuable. I find it sometimes interesting that when you're away, say, doing something completely different and you don't have any agenda, it you're so focused on achieving those goals, as you're saying, it, it just frees up time and space in your mind to, to do the more creative stuff. I totally agree with that. And that's the, yes, that creative bandwidth, right? You know, you if, if, it, if you clear out your head with all the thousand threads that are, you know, entering and running simultaneously, then... You know, that's that's where, you know, most creativity happens. I think that's why a lot of artists, you know, you go to places to be inspired or to get away, you know, so that they can actually, you know, have these these moments of creation, these singular moments of creation that, you know, just don't don't happen when you're you're running a thousand miles an hour all the time. Scott, you're a father of three incredible little humans and um, they're all very, very different from each other. What are you teaching them at the moment about the world of work which that they will one day enter? The number one thing I think that we want for our kids is, you know, a sense of purpose and happiness. I think that's why a lot of people that are unhappy in their jobs aren't really, you know, the world's greatest at their jobs because they're not inspired or happy. You know, and a lot of people have to do that just out of necessity. So I think what we want for our kids is to to try to get them into a position to where they find something they're passionate about, um, that they find happiness and choose to be happy. Because I, I do believe happiness is more of a choice than a lot of us uh, natural or naturally inclined to believe. Um, you know, in other words, there's there's not really a pathway to happiness other than choosing happiness. I think it's easy to be really good at something when you're really passionate about it and you're happy that's when you are setting yourself up for success, right? Without those things, the, I think it's very difficult to be, to be great at, at what you do. There's so many ways to, to weave in business lessons in your daily life from uh, whether it's a, a basic negotiation of something, right? You know, asking for something, right? Taking the order, sales lessons. Uh, my daughter is in the Girl Scouts and we had her come up and she said, will you go sell you know, cookies at your office, you know, you take this order form and I was like, no, but you can go sell them. And we let her come up to the office and we literally let her walk around by herself and go sell cookies and teaching a seven year old, you know, little girl or boy for that matter that, you know, how to go sell and pitch or even upsell people, um, you know, and just actually having the courage to go up and ask them if they'd like to buy something and then how to position that ask. Those types of things, just boldness, um, 
you know, that's what is that not applicable to in business? Right. And being willing to raise your hand, approach people, uh, because a lot of people, you know, won't do that. They just, you know, it's uncomfortable for them to approach people they don't know or to, you know, try to sell somebody something. And it's just, you know, hey, the worst thing they can say is no. And if anybody's ever been in a sales role, like it's pretty soul crushing the first, you know, I don't know, five to 10 times somebody tells you no or slams the door in your face. Like it does not feel good. And I think that the quicker you can get over that, the better, right? Because it just starts if you can overcome that and say, that's fine. It's going to get easier every time. And, you know, one more no is one step closer to a yes. And, you know, the, the quicker I think in life you can get through those types of lessons, the better off you're going to be. Scott, we're coming to the end and I'm, I'm going to be asking my last question, but I'm coming back to that very first question that I asked you about your wow factor. I think for me, your wow factor is what I would call connoisseurism. I don't actually even know if that's a word and I didn't go and research whether it's a word when I put this together. But I think if I consider everybody in my life that I know, you would definitely be in the number one spot for being a connoisseur. One of the biggest challenges of leadership is actually the skill of connoisseurism because there's just so much data out there. There's so much information out there. And as a leader grappling with the why and being able to lead teams down that path of this is why and therefore this is how you do it and this is what you do. I think you really need to be able to master that skill. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I'd love to hear how you've crafted your connoisseurism over the years. I tend to think that, you know, things that are, are worth doing, things that are interesting, you know, they're, they're worth doing right. And, you know, I want to understand things. And I think that that, you know, seeking out the why you must, you have to seek to understand first. And, you know, anything that, you know, I find interesting, I want to, I want to learn more about, I want to understand it beyond a superficial level. And I can't, I can't go down to a true expert level, but I think, you know, that as somebody who dedicates their life to a specific craft, like whether it's food, wine, technology, um, however, I think that the, you know, the hurdle of getting to a, a, a pretty deep, you know, fairly deep depth where you could even have an intelligent conversation about various topics with those people, I don't think it's as much effort and information as, as most people think there is. And, but it enables you to engage in meaningful conversation. You know, if somebody knows nothing about what you do or what you're talking about, you're only going to have the, the niceties and casual conversation. Hi, how are you? Where are you from? You're not really going to be able to dig deep and learn something from that person because, you know, if your knowledge is so shallow that you can't even ask a reasonably good question, then it's just not going to go very far. And I think in business, you know, there's lots of things where that applies to understanding people, understanding technology, understanding trends. You know, all of those require you to, you know, have somewhat of a fascination with with details to get to a level of understanding to where you can properly mobilize and inspire a team to go do something. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, for my team, there are people and lots of people in their individual crafts who know far more than I do about what they do. You know, my job is to understand what the future of business looks like, you know, to a certain extent. 
right? You know, nobody has a crystal ball, but to understand where things are headed and, and you know, sometimes these are more obvious trends, sometimes they're a little more subtle and, you know, you're making a, a bet, an educated guess, um, but then steering our, our company there, the, you know, I'm really focused on why, and I think our, our clients, the C-levels are focused on what are we going to do? Why are we doing that? And then they're relying on their teams, you know, one for data points and, you know, conversation around that and dialogue around it, but then really to understand the how something actually, you know, is going to come to life, right? So you can talk about the what and the why all you want, but if you don't actually have the ability to execute, it's kind of a, an academic exercise, right? It's not going to have a real change or impact. I just think that, you know, having a fascination with, you know, an understanding of how things work and, you know, why they're headed there enables you to do things that are of a more strategic nature than, you know, commodity A to B work. This has to get done, so we do it, right? That's our business. We're trying to operate at a more strategic level, which, you know, tying it back to my personality of a fascination of understanding things, it's just, it's more suited to who we are as a business. Scott, I've got one more question for you, if you don't mind before we finally run out of time. Could you break down for us in practical terms what you'd be advising company leaders around disruption and innovation today? How should they be thinking about it and, and what would they, how should they be thinking about opera, operationalizing it? Yeah, I think for, for disruption innovation, I mean, one, I think that the, the biggest mistake I think big companies make is not moving quickly enough, which is not really terribly insightful, right? Um, these are big ships to steer, and so it's not easy for them to move fast, but they move a lot slower than they need to, and they have the ability to move much quicker than they are moving. You know, grocery store chains were, you know, acted all surprised when Amazon bought Whole Foods, but, you know, got into the grocery delivery game. But, you know, he pulled up a newsletter from 1999 where, you know, Jeff Bezos had actually talked about that that they would eventually be in that game. And so, I mean, literally, he gave a preview of it 17 years before, you know, they entered the space. Yet, you know, people, you know, felt disrupted by that or that Amazon was coming into their space and we better innovate. And so I think that people are, are too complacent and then reactive. And when a big disruptor like an Amazon enters, all of a sudden you see that they can actually move quicker than, you know, they um, than they had been in the past, but they just didn't. And so I think it's a conscious decision. There's that, you know, awareness, then the acceptance, and then there's action. And I think for, you know, business leaders, they've, they've got to be aware of the world around them and the changes that are happening, right? Now have your head, head in the sand and, you know, just not understand, you know, what's happening around you, where your business needs to go and say, hey, it's, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it you know, type of mentality, you know, which worked historically, but that's predicated upon things not changing or that, you know, good enough is good enough. And but good enough today is going to be good enough for tomorrow. And that's just not the world that we live in. So, you know, one, you have to be aware of, of what's happening in the world, you know, the trends and what, where things are headed, what your customers really want, not what you've offered them and essentially forced them to buy in the past, because when con consumers don't have choice, well, yeah, of course they're going to buy like, you know, they're going to buy from you, right? But guess what? When somebody comes out tomorrow with something that is 10 times better, 
you know, you end up in a, you know, a, a, a Blackberry situation in an iPhone. It, it leapfrogged them so much that they were just too far behind. It, it really blindsided them. And so, you know, I think that there's that awareness and then, you know, you know, it's happening, accepting that that's your reality, but then taking action, right. And actually doing something about it. And, and the, I was talking to one of my clients who's a fortune 100 company the other day, and we were just laughing because startups should never have a chance to succeed. They really, if you think about it, they should never have a shot at it, you know, because once you launch a product, it's in the market everybody knows exactly what you're doing, right? And these big companies, whether it's a tech product or otherwise, they can download this, they can buy it, be a customer, use it and go, wow, this is really great. We're getting value. Let's go compete with these guys. But, you know, the speed in, in which they move a lot of times is, is so paralyzing. And it's a lot of times fraught with excuses. They can be really great excuses of, well, this is a big machine or we've got legacy technology or, budgeting issues. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said before, your customers and the consumers, they don't really care about all the reasons. They just care about the outcome. So you got to be outcome focused. You got to be future focused. And that's really what you have to do, I think, to disrupt is just look out at what the, that, you know, look at what your customers want, look at where your industry is headed and deliver that to them. That's really all disruption is, is just, you know, kind of envisioning a better future and then delivering that. You make it sound so simple. Conceptually, it's not rocket science, but then you just have to actually, it's that action part at the end, right? And again, again, we could have a, you know, a, a casual conversation here about, about this stuff, you know, all day long. But a lot of times the winners in spaces, they're not the pioneers. You know, you don't have to be, you know, the, the first guy or the first lady or the first company to come up with something, right? You don't have to have original ideas you know, to innovate, you just have to, you know, understand like how to get it to where, you know, it's something useful and valuable. Because a lot of people miss that, you know, Apple is a notorious late comer to pretty much every market they're in. I mean, there were smartphones for, man, well over a decade before they entered that space. Scott, it has honestly been so good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you guys for having me. Scott, it's been our pleasure. Thank you for your insights. And there you have it, an honest viewpoint of our current work environment. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it of value, please don't be a stranger. Make sure you pop back for more top of mind conversations. Just a reminder for more information about Wonder and the integration services they supply, you can visit their website. That's WNDYR.com. And so from me, Doug Folks, and Chaos and Rocket Fuel, stay safe and we'll see you soon.